0: Welcome to The Dose of Caesar, the podcast where I speak to world travelers to uncover how their adventures around the globe have impacted their lives. My guest today is Chris Chera. I already messed up your first name, bro. Chris Chera. (laughs) Chera, Chera, Chris Chera, I believe it's, is that, am I saying the last name right? Chera?
1: Correct, yes. Yeah,
0: okay. I know we practiced before (laughs) recording this, dude, but, oh man. Anyway, Chris Chera is a digital nomad accommodations expert a uh, remote, remote work advocate, and a world citizen. Chris currently works remotely as a research and development tech consultant. In 2018, Chris and his girlfriend decided to take advantage of their remote work situations and began to travel the world. Since then, they have lived in Airbnbs around Europe, Australia, the United States, and Southeast Asia. In 2019, Chris founded the Remote Base Email Newsletter, which lets people now people know of long stay airbnbs with rates up to 76% off chris is currently joining me from portugal uh chris welcome to the show man thank you so much again for taking the time to talk to me
1: i am so so glad to be here thanks for, uh <laughs> yeah thanks for thanks for putting me on the show it's it's always good to to talk about travel and the influence of travel uh and i'm excited to do that with you
0: yeah, and I'm glad we were able to like coordinate time zones because uh, you're on the other <laughs> side of the world, and it's beautiful that we're still able to do this interview. I just think it's awesome. Um, so this is actually, I believe, my first time. No, it's my second time. I, I did an interview with uh, one of my friends in Germany, but now now I'm doing an interview with uh, somebody in Portugal. So um, I did want to ask you, you know, so we can set some background because I've I've read a lot about you, but I still don't really know you and one of the things interesting things i read about you was that you um when you were young you were traveling all over the uk like at age seven uh playing ice hockey and i wanted to ask is that did how was that experience and do you think that influenced you to like want to like see the world or at the time were you just um just playing ice hockey all over the uk because not everyone gets the experience of traveling around their country
1: yeah so this is a this is an interesting question i think the, the the context is uh the context lacks like i don't think there's full context on this so uh-huh. i started ice skating ice skating uh around about the age of seven okay. um but hockey didn't come into it until much much later uh, oh. it wasn't until i was basically at university playing hockey uh and that was when like that playing for a university team like that's. That's the perfect opportunity to to travel around because ice hockey in like in the US at least it's it's been maybe one of like five or six really popular sports right mm-hmm. um, like major league sports in the UK it's considered a minority sport there isn't it's not like playing uh, football or soccer uh, as, as you might yeah. call it if you're a US listener um, yeah so it's considered a, a minority sport there's just not really that much of it uh, happening or it's not as accessible uh, and so. For that reason, you you might be in a team, and to kind of get enough games to to kind of make a league exciting, or the university league to make that university league exciting, you kind of find yourself traveling like overnight to play a game, or or returning home from a game in the middle of the night. Uh, so yeah, it was it was, there was a lot of fun fun nights uh, of traveling back, yeah, either yeah. having won or lost a game. <laughs>
0: and you know i don't think in the us i think in the us it's still also a minority sport here um but, but it makes le- it makes sense that you would have to travel so far <laughs> to find another uh team um but did you uh, so you started you started ice skating when you were 7 and um you just loved it so much you wanted to keep doing it in college um or did you know you were going to get to travel or was it just the love for like playing hockey
1: i think it was fairly uh it was like i always wanted to do it but by the time, to be honest, probably by the time my skating ability, uh, like my my hockey ability, allowed for it, um, it was it was it was going to be time then to start going to university. And so, uh, <laughs> at that point, I don't know. There was a point in the middle where it didn't really make sense to like embed myself in a team mm. at home. Um, and so, yeah, I I didn't do that. I kind of waited a little bit longer, still, um, a little bit more time practicing. Uh, and then pursued hockey at at university.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and like, so before like university, how would you describe like your childhood? What was it? What was like your childhood? Like, um, who like influenced you when you were young? Um, or, and, and how did you grow up? What was your environment growing up?
1: I guess, uh, I, uh, hmm. I want to hesitate. I'm, I'm hesitating to use the word normal, <laughs> like, cause it, my childhood just felt normal for the, you know, for the most part. It's very like, uh, you know, yeah. mum, dad, two kids. Uh, there wasn't a dog, uh, not until much later on, but at one point there was a dog. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you know, working class family, really, there wasn't, there wasn't really a lot of like influence from world travelers. There was just, uh, kind of like family history. Um, mm, so I know, yeah. like my dad's, my dad's side of the family is Italian. Um, my grandparents are kind of like my grandparents basically grew up in, in like wartime Europe. so I had like my grandma on one side of the family was like evacuated as a child and spent oh, wow. kind of like the formative years of her childhood growing up in, in, in Scotland. Um, my dad's side of the family, uh, yeah, my dad's parents, both of my dad's parents were Italian they mm. they were from Calabria like a region in in southern Italy and so I think actually there's a part of me which thinks like there wasn't a a kind of significantly active travel influence but there was a lack of that and that that maybe uh piqued my curiosity right there's like yeah over the course of two generations we've gone from some people who are living off the land basically farming in 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 a region uh, southern region of italy to uh then like my 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 parents generation uh you know being in the growing up in the uk and having kind of uh having jobs that and being able to provide and raise a family there and then now me who uh has this wonderful opportunity through through the internet to, to work literally from anywhere and, and go out and explore the world and and hopefully connect to like it's been a great opportunity right i've been able to connect uh work in italy and connect with. uh my grandparents culture. Uh, mm, definitely. Is, it's just it's just interesting. I, like i think there's this aspect of it. there was a, probably a bit in the middle like my dad before i was born maybe he experienced this a little bit too right? he he worked in travel for a short time or for probably mm. for, for a long time. um but that was, this was in a time when if you wanted to go on a holiday, you had to go to a travel agent and book a holiday with them. You couldn't just like go on the internet and book a package holiday. Yeah. Um, so that was his, I think that might've been his way of accessing travel, right? What did he like, do?
0: Why did he travel just, uh, just on holiday, just like on vacation?
1: Um. So I think he, he worked in travel. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. so he, he was a, he was a travel agent. So uh, that kind of gave him the opportunity to travel probably more so than, than, than most people. Uh, yeah. it's like, if there's, if there's some remaining seats on a flight, like, yeah, there's no internet, so they can't just like discount those flights and send an email to everybody that they've ever saw the flight to, to get it filled. It, they would just like put somebody in the company on it and call it like an educational It's Like you get to go and experience that. And it means that you can better sell it to, to, uh, families that come into the, into the travel agent shop, uh, to, 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 to buy their next, uh, holiday.
2: Mm. Um,
1: but it wasn't a, I think at that time, like, because, because it, because it allowed you to do that, it wasn't necessarily a job that came with a lot of job security. And so when I arrived, um, I think he kind of moved away from that and found, found, a job that had a bit more job security, uh, as you know, part and of providing for a family. So, I think maybe some of that existed in him. You know, like the the desire to go and travel and see the world more.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was passed on, as in like a the adventurousness, right? The adventurous from
1: maybe. Like father, like son. But
0: possibly, possibly. But you, you know, you so you grow up in your you, you you know you have this this what you call? I mean, I think it's a. Um, a pretty normal childhood, and and then you you go to, you decide to go to like Birmingham City University, right? And you study marketing. Did you know you were gonna? Did you? How did you land on marketing?
1: Interesting. Very very interesting question. Uh, there was like a very short time where I thought I wasn't gonna go to university. Uh, Why? Well, it was never. I was the first person in my family to go to university. Oh, okay, uh, that was. Probably I think that's like part uh, a big reason, a big uh, influencing factor. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, i I became made aware through the kind of journey through education I was taking that like university is a possibility. Um, and here's like here are some of the mechanisms for like applying uh, and stuff like that. Um, it's obviously going to be different for for people all around the world based on if you're listening to this in one country versus another, yeah. all of the, the mechanism is going to be completely different. But in the UK, there's just like one, uh, organization that facilitates applications, uh, and then a separate organization that facilitates student finance. So it's like you take a loan from the government and you pay that, you know, they pay for your, your tuition and then you pay that back. Um, and it's a really good, you get a really good rate on it, but it's, it's considerable amount of debt, right?
2: Uh, mm-hmm. and
1: for for my family who hadn't been through that process or had you know they'd not been to university they'd not there was nobody uh there was nobody that had been through it who I could point to um or who could talk me through the the, the benefits or the uh potential downsides of it so it was very much a uh something that I was trying to figure out for myself as I went and yeah, I kind of like got talked out of it, right? Because it's a scary thing for mm. especially for my, for my parents. And, you know, yeah. I, I was still young and, and, um, yeah, I was a sponge. I was very, like, probably quite easy to influence. Um, yeah, yeah, of so course. I, I was, I was talked out of it and probably wasn't too happy with that. I, I obviously wasn't very happy with it because I ended up, uh, going ahead and doing it anyway. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. That's- yeah. The,
0: where did that come from? Like the decision to, uh, to just, you know, to cause you got talked out of it. And then this, the decision to say, no, you know what, I'm going to do what I would, what, re- what I really want to do because you were so young yeah. uh, you know, and, and it's so easy. Like you said, it's, it's so easy to just listen to your parents and I've known so many people that did, but, um, what, what, what made you decide to do that?
1: So I think it came down to like the last, the last day of, of study, uh, at what is basically high school, like in the UK. The
0: last it. day. <laughs>
1: wow. Yeah. So there's like a an, an intermediary in the UK. We have like high school, then college and then university. Yeah. So it's slightly different semantics, but, um, so I'm like, how old am I? 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the last day and you can kind of see, like I've made this decision, like I, I'm not going to apply, um, because i'm not going to apply i was actually going to i was going to go and pursue something else but the it's the last day and everyone is finishing and getting really excited because they know that like it's the last day of this thing but like we're going off to university like september i can't wait for (laughs) september it's gonna be great and i just remember having this feeling of like oh like i want what that i want what that looks like Mm. um and applications are open, like that, that organization that facilitates all of the applications, there's, they cut it down into almost three like opportunities to apply. There's like open applications. And then as, as time elapses, they close. And then there's something called, uh, like a plus application, which is like, it's open, um, for the people who like me, who, who are late to the game. Um, yeah. and then there's, then there's a final stage, which is called clearing, which is like that's only open after you get your exam results. Um so I think at this point I'd like sat my exams, but didn't really like I didn't know that I was going. I had no intention to go, um, but made the application anyway. So yeah.
0: Wow. And 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 like when so you get into college and did you ever think of studying abroad? Or like going to another country?
1: It's another another interesting question. Um I knew I wanted to travel, Mm -hmm. um, like eventually at some point, like as a child, we'd, we'd been on, on family holidays, but they were mostly staycations. We mostly holidayed around the UK. There was like a couple of times where we'd been overseas to Spain, which is a really popular holiday destination for, for British people. Um, and then I'd also done one trip, which was to Australia to visit family. Um, but it was kind of like, you know, it was, it was, that was like something that was like years in the, in the planning and the making to make that happen. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like I was traveling a lot. So I knew I wanted yeah. to do it, but I just didn't, uh, I didn't think it's, it's strange that you ask actually, because looking back, it's so obvious that it was not, that it was possible. and mm. I just didn't pursue it. Like I, for example, when I arrived, uh, when I arrived and I'm I kind of was moving into the accommodation there, there was a guy. Uh, a guy called Brian who I'll never forget who was from Chicago and he was there for the, for the semester. Um, just, yeah, doing basically studying abroad. And then there were also I also met people during the like, kind of like the first few weeks, people who are like my friends to this day who were studying on the Erasmus program, which is like a program, uh, around Europe, where you can study abroad, uh, between different, different universities. And I didn't consider even at that time, uh, on reflection now, I wonder what it was that kind of stopped me from considering that as a possibility yeah. for me. Like the fact that I was there mm-hmm. uh, at university, and I was the first person in my family to, to be there. I think I probably just thought like I, there was probably so much going on. Uh, was, it, it was, con- I mean, was
0: it was I mean, was it just like that nobody uh, would tell you to like go do it, or like that nobody told you the benefits of it? I mean, the-
1: I think like similarly to how similarly to how there was no one there to kind of talk me through mm-hmm. choose it, choosing the university that's right for me because you know no one in the family had been through that process yeah. i was kind of figuring it all out by myself and and it's not like the i think that kind of opportunity usually um it's one that you have to seek out it's not like it's not like it's not part and parcel of the the traditional onboarding, right? Like you arrive at you arrive at the accommodation, and there's like a pack that's got oh, yeah. some like yeah. a razor or something in it. Like it's got whatever. <laughs> but they don't. There's not like a box. There's not a box there that says like, oh, and by the way, like there's this study abroad program that you.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, they should have like, that though. The they should have that. Yeah,
1: they should. they should. They should. They absolutely should. Yeah. Um. So it, it wasn't obvious to me, and then even when it was kind of like, a, like a, I was aware of it on the periphery. As far as I was concerned, the fact that I'd got there, I was like, not not living the dream, but like I'd I'd already achieved so much, and I think, yeah, to be honest. it took me a while to like take all that in. Um, but yeah, study abroad. I think I think it's a great uh, like like I said, like I was I'm friends with these guys to this day,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I I only met them because of because of study abroad programs. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been there. Uh, yeah
0: wow wow yeah man but it's i mean like now you're on a continuous i would call it like a continuous never ending study abroad which is awesome better late than never and the way you're doing it is epic um and so like you're you know from reading of, of your background and a lot of your work you're like you have a heavy interest in tech and startup companies um where did that that interest come from and how did you end up working at, in your current role I, if that was your role out of college, um, which is a remote, um, you're a tech consultant, right?
1: Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of, I, I, w- now my, my kind of day job now is, um, you know, it's it's fairly niche. It kind of blurs the line between f- like financial services and technology. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's, it's consulting based on like some re- a really niche area of, of, of tax legislation in the UK. Um, so yeah, that, that it, this isn't the, the first role I did out of university, but it is the first role is, is the role where I kind of started to explore the remote working side of things.
0: Mm. Um, okay, so, yeah, so the, before, before we go into like the remote working side, cause I really want to hear that. Mm. I, I wanted to kind of like, yeah, like where did that interest for like tech and startups come from? Um, cause it started before this role, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um Again, this is something that that did start at university. It was a there was a local company, a local startup, um, and the 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 CEO, like the founder and CEO of this business, came in and delivered a, a guest lecture
2: mm-hmm.
1: around. Uh, I mean, we were we were business students, right? We were marketing students, and so he came in and gave a guest lecture. I can't actually remember uh, the specifics or, or what that was necessarily about. Um, but it kind of ended on, and this guy, this guy was, he was great. this guy called Stefan. He's like a serial entrepreneur, somebody who had um, like done a lot of consulting and then he, he, he'd just done interesting projects. Like he decided that he wanted to, uh, to produce and, and film a feature length film. And he like had a premiere for this, for this like independent film in, uh, in, I forget the name now of the the kind of major square for films mm-hmm. in London. Uh, but that's where, he, that's where he did that. And it, like he was an interesting person and he, he, he was building this company yeah. and the end, the end of the, the lecture was like, and you know, we've got these, this opportunity, we're looking for people to help us, uh, do our market research for this product. Um, if anybody's interested, like get in touch with me after, after the lecture, like here's all all my details. And I was like, you're an interesting guy. Like I want to spend some time talking to you. (laughs) So, um, so I did, I, you know, you hang around at the end and and I was, I was catching up with him. I ended up, uh, going and helping them with their market research. And one, yeah, it was was a bit like one thing led to another. And I, uh, by the by, the point at which I I was gonna do, I, or I tried, I tried very hard to get a uh, kind of placement opportunity there, you know, an, a year in industry mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of my uh, study years, uh, because they really were just getting off the ground. And but I think I, I was a bit early; like they were, they were still getting off the ground to the point where they weren't They couldn't, they couldn't offer that, that, that yeah. kind of opportunity. Uh, but by the time yeah, by the time they, by the time I'd finished, properly finished, uh, graduated, they, they were hiring. Um, so I went to work there. It was like higher number four, I think. Um, oh wow! and that was really the, the entree to technology because I guess over the course of like helping them with the market research and, and that, that side of it, the early side of it, mm-hmm. I was just, a, I was just really observing soaking up as much as possible, but you know, at, at 12 months before that, the the word startup didn't mean anything to me. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, going and kind of seeing that, that was like a, an introduction to the startup ecosystem and and how, how small technology companies work. Um, they were doing mobile payments, but this is like before Apple pay was a thing before, uh, before companies like Venmo and stuff like that were.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. They didn't exist at that point. Um, so yeah, I, I went and worked there and that very quickly, they were so early, in fact, that they failed to raise um, uh, venture capital money. Wow! Uh, and so I'd graduated, kind of passed on opportunities at like graduate schemes and like the more kind of corp, it's like traditional uh, career path. I'd passed up on that and decided like I want to go and do this. Um, and then like six months later, it was like, okay, uh, we need you guys to sell the office furniture
2: um <laughs> <laughs> oh what <laughs>
1: yeah. wow um, but what don't the... worry because like it was like don't worry you can keep your ipads um we're gonna, pay <laughs> you we're gonna pay you at the end of this month um which you know contractually they didn't need to do that um but they were like we're gonna pay you at the end of this month but just don't work like spend this time trying to find the, the next job and like use our networks all the rest of it so they, they were as nice as possible but wow. that was that's like real, a very real cool It's a slap in the face it's like uh you learn very quickly about the ups and downs of, of startup life. I think when you, yeah. when you get early into it, in, into a company early like that. And, but that was it. I was kind of hooked at that point. I was like, this is great. I want to work at small companies. Um,
0: what did you like about it? The fast pace?
1: Yeah. I think just the idea that, uh, well the options were like, at almost limitless you could pretty much do whatever you want like i did, i mean i just graduated with a marketing degree i was doing i was doing bits of marketing there but i was also doing spending time on other stuff and like some of it is some of it is stuff that uh like there are parts of it were like boxing up items and literally posting them mm. um which is like you don't need a marketing degree to do that but you that's how you learn like if, you know, you could potentially, I could potentially have gone off and, and had a whole career in supply chain that started there. It gives you the opportunity to, uh, see and kind of feel different areas of the business. Um, so that, yeah, there's definitely. opportunities for growth and they give you autonomy. And a lot, you know, a lot of these companies will, uh, it's, it's a bit cliched, right? Like startup culture is there's a lots of lots of cliches around it. Um, but for the most part like companies are happy to invest in you yeah. and, and let you grow whichever way that you you need to grow or, or want to grow if they then get to reap the rewards that follow
0: no yeah yeah def- definitely I, I i did work for a startup right at a college and you know one of the things that i loved so much was like the freedom to kind of like you have so so much freedom i think um to kind of like at least with me to like build your own schedule and like do mm-hmm. things the way figure out how it, you figure out the best way to make things work. It's like you have autonomy, like you said. Um, so now I want, now I'd like to hear like, how did, how did this whole thing start? How did these whole four, three years of of travel um, with Airbnbs uh, begin? What's like this story?
1: Yeah. So, so it's not very like cut and dry. I think there's, there's maybe um like whenever i speak to other people about this or you know you've probably had conversations with people right where it's like oh well like i was doing this one thing and then that just stopped and i switched over and was doing this other thing yeah for me it was much more of a like blurred it was a a bit of a mix it it wasn't necessarily clear what the path was going to be i basically i went to work at this company uh the company where i work now and it's like uh it's a very forward thinking company right like organizational structure is very open like there's lots of like radical transparency they kind of experiment with all of this this stuff which is i mean and this i think it's maybe more common now but this is five years ago when it was like people would be like what (laughs) um (laughs) like you what you do what the company operates how um but at the time it was yeah at the time i was just going to the office commuting like uh, commuting like i yeah. Just regularly, regularly anywhere else. Um, but the company had this like flexible policy. It was like, you can work from anywhere, anytime, like how, however you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, without telling anyone. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. What a policy. So it, yeah, it was another, like it was, you know, the company was only small it was maybe about 30 people when I joined, um, so yeah, there was, there was that level of autonomy that was afforded to everybody who worked there and, you know, I'd only just joined. So I, I this was a role that was, um, the company was based in London. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of moved, moved to London for that role. Um, and yeah, I was, I was there for some time. I was getting myself kind of embedded into the company. Um, but there was a guy, there was a guy, a guy there called Jeff, who was, uh, he was actually at the, the time that I joined the company, uh, mm-hmm. he was on a program called remote year, oh, okay. um, which if you don't know about remote year, remote year is a, it's a travel program, a remote work and travel program where they basically take a cohort of people and you travel around the world for 12 months. And you basically stay in 12 places, you stay one month at a time. And the way that they, they work is like, you know, they take everyone's money (laughs) and then, um, they take care of everything for you. So you pay them and they take care of like your accommodation, you have a place to work with like good Wi-Fi, and they organize some events for you. And they have like a local expert who can arrange, uh, yeah, who arranges those events. It's like, how else do you book? a space for like 45 people to eat dinner yeah Um, you need you need to have you need to have somebody who knows uh knows the place or understands what's going on around there so they they do that and this was the that was the first year it was the inaugural uh remote year cohort and this guy jeff i worked with he was on that um wow i I joined the company met uh, you know most of the people in my team and then it was like oh and by the way like uh, you'll meet Jeff later on this, uh, video conferences, uh, <laughs> meeting. i like, Jeff's in Croatia at the moment. And I'm like, what, <laughs> wait, uh, where's Jeff? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that was kind of like a very, what that was, was a, that was a, re- a moment of realization. It was like, this is possible.
2: Mm, that's what so I was-
1: I'd, I'd, yeah. Like I'd still not done when I graduated, I went, I, I did an interrailing trip. So that was like, before I went to start work in earnest, I, uh, I, I went into it. I went on basically traveling around Europe on a train for like 30 days and staying in different cities, staying oh. in like hostels and stuff like that. That was really cool. But the, as far as I was concerned, it was like, okay. Like I always wanted to travel. Like I, I've done that now. Like I've, I've, I've seen some of the world and like now the opportunity to do that is probably gone like now I'm going to have to go and work and I'm going to work for like 40 years until I retire. And that's what you were holidays. thinking.
0: That's what you were thinking. Yeah. It? I genuinely,
1: yeah. was like, like, you know, there wasn't a, because I probably, I would have loved uh, as, as is, as is evident now, I would have loved to have just worked and traveled forever. Um, and I even considered stuff like just, staying in Europe and like working in a bar or something like that, you know, to be able to kind of stay there for longer. And I think a lot of people before the prevalence of the internet, that's how a lot of people did travel, right? Like they, you would have people who just would travel with the season. So like it's holiday season. And so everyone goes to the beach resorts and they work in a bar. Um, and then when winter comes around, they, maybe they go and work in a ski resort Mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know, part of me, whilst I was curious and, and, and wanted to travel, I also wanted to be, uh, I was like, I also had ambition with my career, right? Like I'd, I'd put myself through, through university, like I wanted to, uh, to take that and like level it up and go and do more and, and, and have a career and see where that could take me. So I didn't really see the option to do both. And there it was facing me. Wow. It just kind of like
0: oh, draw. wow, that's that's incredible. And was it and like so did you immediately after hearing Jeff's story? I mean that that's planting your mind. You're like, oh, okay, Jeff's in Croatia. I can, I can, I can travel again." <laughs> um <laughs> was it, it I read that was it your girlfriend's um remote job that then ultimately caused the jump or were you already kind of like fixing up where you were already preparing
1: to go it it was a bit of a perfect storm and this is why I think this is why I kind of describe it as like a, a blur it all just kind of like everything just kind of blurred together and it it was a, all a bit perfect mm-hmm. um I mean there was nah, it's not well, not entirely perfect there were definitely <laughs> difficult aspects of it like I had only really met uh Sam at at the same time as I kind of moved back to London for this job. So we were still quite early in our career, but one of the, uh, not early in our career, sorry, (laughs) early in our relationship. Um, And, you know, one of the things that brought us together was that we both loved traveling. Mm. So at the time, Sam had, Sam had my my girlfriend, Sam, she'd set herself this challenge. It's like, I'm going to go every month. I'm going to do a weekend away somewhere in Europe. Wow. And so like, you have to, Maybe if you're, you know, if you're listening from the US, then that seems ridiculous. But of course, once you're in London, it's everything's a stone throw away. So, um, yeah, she would, she would just take a, a weekend away, and she would try and find like a really good flight deal, or yeah. you know, something that she could just go and do uh, for a, a weekend without needing to book time off work or anything like that, just to go and get out and experience something. So, travel really brought us together, right? And I, and I think that, um, I so I already knew that she would, would be into it, like would, would be into the travel side of it. Um, and I then had realized, okay, like it's possible. Like if Jeff can do this, like if we're not here, (laughs) if this program is a thing and this company, they let you do that, they're really forward thinking. Like I was like, okay, this can, this can work. This could be pieced together somehow, but Sam's employer, her job at the time was really restrictive. They wouldn't, they wouldn't even let her work from home. Oh Uh, Damn. So she had to be like, yeah, go in, like put you're please sit on this chair. Otherwise we don't know that you're here. Um, like that kind of, (laughs) that kind of, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think once, you know, conversations happened, right. Once Sam knew that Jeff was doing this thing and, and how, how kind of free and forward thinking the company, uh, I was working for was then it became a bit of a task. It was like, She knew that she was never going to get given that freedom where she currently was. And so the search began for a job, um, that would let her work remotely or have some freedom. And this is like, again, this is maybe like late 2017, I think Mm. that or or like mid to late 2017 was like the start of that job hunt. Um, and like back then it's not
0: that common, right? It's not like, yeah, yeah. it's the remote job isn't that common. And you watched this whole process. So like, Watching Sam go through that process. And like, now that it's much, I would say, I guess much easier because there's so many remote jobs. What advice would you give like people who are kind of like, um, in in Sam's boat where they're like, well, I got this job that isn't letting me go anywhere, but I, now I want to start looking for a remote job. Um, seeing like from your experience and from Sam's experience, what advice would you give them in their job search?
1: I think, um, where possible because there's two ways to do this right like there's at the time it's almost like a different world uh you know pre-pandemic uh-huh. um, people try did try to do this like yeah they would say like oh like there's a family emergency and i have to be on the other side of the country um but i know that this i know that the work that i'm doing is so important for the company so i'll just take my laptop and i'll i'll do it from there and your boss might like begrudgingly agree because you've got a family emergency. And if, you know, if you, if you go and take like emergency family time, then this stuff, this important stuff isn't going to get done. So they would begrudgingly let you go and then you prove to them that you, you were still productive even Uh... at the behest of this family emergency. And then they would, then that gave you like leverage to negotiate and, and, and have some kind of agreement in place there with, with your manager. And so at the time that like people were doing that, that was the easy way to do it. And then, and then that was a difficult way, um, but that was I think that was still seen as like easier than having to find a new job that would let you work remotely because they weren't common like you say now post pandemic um, yeah. or you know the, the new normal whatever whatever we want to call it. Um, it's maybe a lot easier for you to for you to find remote job boards uh, and, and do it that way. There's there's a lot of resources out there. We can leave them in the show notes if you want. Um, yeah yeah
0: definitely. Are there any that are are there any that come to mind like any job boards one or two?
1: Uh yeah so there's like uh we work remotely is okay. a really a really popular one. Um they have uh they have like a a really good job board actually and there's also a slack community. Um so you yeah, can slack you can kind community. of yeah gotcha. so you can you can you can join that and like interact with other people there as well that uh, maybe experiencing the same thing. Awesome, um, awesome. Yeah, wrote that down. Yeah, there, there's a few. There's like, uh, I think remote, remote.co is one, or or there's another one called Remotive. Um, so there there are a handful of these out there. Um, gotcha, gotcha. Like more obvious names than others. Yeah. Uh,
0: cool. Yeah, I'll put those in the show notes. I was just wondering if like, cause um, I know there's so many job boards out there, but I was wondering if you mm. like would vouch for any, or like if you knew of any that are like good. But I think that we work remote with the, with the Slack community is really good. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So like, so then you start traveling and how many countries have you been to now? How many countries, how many Airbnbs do you think you've been to?
1: I don't even know. I don't, I kind of got to the, mm, oh, that's beautiful to the, point, to the point where I stopped counting. You lost count. <laughs> um, wow. well, there's, there's part of, part of it is lost count. And then part of it is like, I didn't want to become, a traveler who came about who became only about the country count
2: yeah
0: okay yeah uh, who was like counting like all right i i'm gonna go to 20 countries and not experiencing the country but you were just like about the number
1: yeah yeah like it, it doesn't count if you take a train through through a country or yeah you know, like you don't really get to uh, experience the place i think yeah there's the stuff like you know you could go to russia but uh like there's a lot of landmass. mass mm. <laughs> there. so like there's, that's a lot of country to cover um spending a weekend in 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 moscow is not it's, it's not going to do it so i like to travel or we we travel a lot more slowly um there's like the term digital nomad uh, and then there's like a a subgenre of that which is like slow mad and slow we just mad. we we take our time and and we try to experience a place a couple of months at a time at least um i like that yeah, i like yeah, that. that it has its benefits yeah <laughs>
0: definitely so like when i studied abroad you know i i did a couple study abroad, a few study abroads and some of them were for only a month and that was great. But we were moving around yeah. so quickly, you know. A month felt good, but then I did uh, six months in Thailand, and for that I had already gone to like uh, I had been to China, I had been to to uh, South Africa, and I decided. And during those trips, we traveled to like many cities, and I decided I'm just going to spend these six months in Bangkok, and that was awesome because I got so deep. You know, there's this whole thing about you can get really wide, but you, you only go an inch deep, you get surface mm-hmm. level, you touch every city surface level. But in Bangkok, I got to know like so many, I, I, I felt kind of like a local because I had so many local friends and they were taking me to like where there was no tourists. Um, mm-hmm. And with that being <laughs> said, like, what are your favorite uh, one or two activities that you, go, that you go to, to like really experience a culture, a city?
1: Yeah, this is, this is good. This is a good question. Like I, so, I mean, we're, you know, we're working as well. Like we, we spend our, our daytime hours, um, you know, or depending on the time zone that you're on some of maybe yeah. some of your nighttime hours, but we spend a good portion of our day, uh, working and trying to be productive and a good way to do that is to go to a co-working space where you might meet some mm. other people. But another one of my favorites is like, I'm a big, I really like, like coffee culture like coffee shop. Oh, yeah, you're a coffee I really, like, guy. <laughs> I, yeah, I really like trying to just go and find like a really nice coffee shop. And it's part of it. It becomes part of the routine, right? So what happens is when you go somewhere, um, the people, the staff in, in, in a coffee shop, they kind of expect you, uh, they recognize that you're, that you're foreign, you're not from here. Um, and maybe, you know, subconsciously through, it's not, it's not a bad thing, but like it's reasonable for them to expect, like you'll here for a, probably a maximum of about two weeks and then you're probably going to be uh, off again and I'll, I'll never see you again. And there's like, there is a subtle change that you see in people as when you, when you go in consistently every yeah. day or oh, not every day, but you know, every, every couple of days you, you see a person who, who works there and it's been a month and one, you know, once you break like the two-week barrier or like even the one-week barrier or even just a weekend barrier in some places, like once you get past that, it allows you to kind of open up a whole new dimension of conversation with that person. Um so you know, if you're really interested in uh tattoos, um then and, and your barista has a tattoo, like that's an immediate conversation that you can strike up and you can go and meet other people who are interested in, in like uh, tattoo culture in, in in the city that you're in. If you are really big, if you might be a really keen cyclist and there might be a particular like cycling focused cafe, like go and hang out there. Like, it's not just a way for you to integrate with the staff and, and use like, use that, like the staff normally read a, Stuff in it in a place like a coffee shop, they might not be from a place, but like they, they probably live there. Like it's, there's a good, it's a good chance that they live locally. Um, yeah. And so they become like your vector. Uh, they, they're they like a point at which, you, you know, you go to them and it's like, it opens up the whole place because they know, they know about where the best, uh, this is or the, or the worst one of, you know, insert a uh, popular item for given city. Um, yeah. And they, they just give you tips and, and, you can really forge friendships with people like this and, Definitely. And, and it it kind of amplifies itself right like there's i'm not the only person doing this so there are often times where like through that one connection you'll meet another person who's done who, who's like living the same life as us and just goes and does some work in the cafe every day and you see the same faces <laughs> and after some time you you know there's there's conversations to be had and it's just interesting, right? You connect with people because they're there living the same lifestyle as you, not because you both went to school in that area.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's about, like, I think, um, consistency, like you said, consistently like seeing these people and then, like, uh, being genuine in, as in, like, just talk about what you're actually interested, not, not trying to just manufacture connections right because in, in my experience that ha- that doesn't isn't really as enjoyable and fun i guess you could do it but really the the easier connections come from like like you said talking about um it, when i see people with rock climbing shoes that like uh, i go to this coffee shop here in austin and i like rock climbing i'm like hey uh <laughs> those like rock climbing shoes mm-hmm. that did you just go rock climbing <laughs> i'll just start a conversation mm-hmm. i'm that yeah that guy
1: It's the same as making friends where you currently live. It's just that you're doing it in a, in, in a, in a faraway land, uh, you know, you're doing it somewhere new, but the, the premise remains the same, right? Being, be a nice person, like smile at people and they'll probably smile back at you. And, um, yeah. And have this like curiosity.
0: Yeah. Have this curiosity of your own city. You know, it's one of the things, have you ever read the book Vagabonding?
1: I haven't actually, but it, you know, it's, uh, it's high up on the list, isn't it? It's a very popular one.
0: Oh yeah, Chris. It's. I think you'd really like it. But the, one of the philosophies in that book is like it's seeing every city, even your own city, as as if you're already traveling, and um, that's mm-hmm. opened a big world up for me. But like speaking of philosophy, you, I like how you like you really think about things. I feel like from what from right at what I read, you know, and and one of the one of the interviews that I was reading that you had, um, you talked about um, how you 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 want life satisfaction over job satisfaction
2: um hmm.
0: could you tell me what life satisfaction means to you um and why you chose to pursue it over job satisfaction and how how you made that choice consciously
1: so i think it means the same um or like the the premise is the same right so like everybody knows what what job satisfaction is right like yeah you want to be happy with your th- job yeah like do you want to be happy with your life like okay we well, like pursue that <laughs> um <laughs> do the things that are going to, um, that are going to make, make that a possibility for you. Like there's the, to take the, let's take the opposite, right. For example, the opposite of like job satisfaction is like job dissatisfaction or, or like you might be like stuck in a dead end job, like you don't want to be stuck in a dead end life. Like you don't want to be stuck in a job in like a life that that you don't like. Um, and yeah, like through no, um, like part of the game of life is luck, right. Like not everyone is, is necessarily bored into, into like, uh, the, the golden track for life, for life satisfaction, but, um, yeah, you can, you know, do whatever you can do to, to try and put yourself closer to the track that you want to be on, um, mm. and it, it kind of means that it just means like. I guess no the, the, I mean the, okay so let's take another another way to look at this is Definitely. the the term like work life balance yeah i guess looking for life satisfaction is like a way to reframe work life balance
2: mm.
1: there's there's work life balance and then people also talk about work life integration and it's like well just blur the two and like actually no like let's not blur the two at all like let's focus on life and then fit work in around life. Um, wow. so remote working kind of lets you do that. There's just, you know, to some extent there's parts of parts of the work that I do. That means I have to be online for, for UK hours or at least a certain amount of overlap because a lot of my clients are based in the UK.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I can't just live my life and fit my work in around that. Like I have to, I have to, uh, uh integrate the, my, the need of my clients and the need of the business that I work for into, into how I work. But, you know, for the most part, I feel like I feel comfortable with my pursuit of life satisfaction. Um,
0: gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you have any like strategies for planning um, that you like to use? Cause I feel like that requires planning, right? I feel like one of the traps that for people is not planning ahead of time and then they get sucked into focusing only on the job you know, but everything else kind of goes out the window. Does that make sense? Like, because I feel like if you're going to have life satisfaction, you're going to have to take into account everything in your life that you want to be really good at relationships, uh, not just your job, but whether it's health, you know, it's specific sports that you like to do. Because if you don't take those into account, your life can just be your job. And I'm wondering if you had any like systems where that you use to plan out like what was important to you and then to create a plan of action. If not, I mean, that might be too complicated. I might be looking again too deeply into it. I often do Chris. So don't worry. Don't tell me like, no, it's not that deep. <laughs> don't worry if you, if it's not that deep.
1: There's definitely like, it's not, I, I would say that it's not something that I think about consistently, Okay. but like there are, yeah, there's like spikes of this mental activity where it's like, you go so far and it's like, oh actually like, you really need to like think about this thing now because we're at a critical we're at a critical juncture in the life mm. of Chris. <laughs> <And> <laughs> if we go one way then like this is this path. And if we go the other way then it's another path. A fork um, in the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah absolutely a fork in the road. Um there's tools that I would use or the planning, I think the the planning one like I, I really struggle to think about like a 10 year time horizon. Like I really, really struggle to think about what that's going to look like. Um, I have no idea, like five, even five years, I'm like five years. Okay. Like maybe I have some idea of things that I might have wanted to, to achieve in, in five years, but I think a a really good way of approaching this is to kind of like take stock of today and ask like, okay, in one year, like if, if I'm doing this in a year's time, am I happy? Mm. And like, if, if you can't tell yourself that you're going to be happy in a year, then that's the trigger for change. Like that means that you need to change something. So a year is a much more like understandable, digestible token of time for people mentally. Um, that's just me, right? You might, you might be the opposite. You might be somebody who has like no problem with the 10 year time horizon. And you might be like, yeah, in 10 years, like these are the things. And if you can do that, like I take my heart off to you. I think that's amazing. Uh, but it, it's never it's never been something that I've, that I've been great with. Um, so I just try to take small chunks.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Finding what works for you, and, and what comes to mind is your user manual. Because yeah, Chris has a mm. uh, like a personal Chris user manual. It's like a slideshow of like, kind of like basically learning learning about Chris that I use to like learn a lot about you. <laughs> when did you? How did you come up with the? to creating that? Cause even that seems kind of like along the lines of plant, learning about yourself, learning what you like, learning what, how you work. How did you come up with creating that username?
1: So hands up. I completely stole the idea. <laughs> I stole it of somebody who inspired me, um, who is uh, Steph Smith. So uh, this is somebody Steph who Oh gotcha. uh, Yeah. The blog, the blog, you can actually find her user manual on her blog it's stephsmith.io yeah
2: um
1: and she's another interesting person like she's worked on lots of different projects by herself and uh, has also done some some traveling around the world as well um but i think that when it when i saw that it hit me i was like this is the best idea ever everyone should have one of these yeah Uh, because it's kind of when you get a new device uh you know and new widget like it comes with a manual and it's like how to use the thing how how does it work like here's how not to break it <laughs> um and so the personal use manual is the same it's the same premise it's like help people work with you in the most effective way like no one's gonna know that you like you can't expect somebody to know that when you're stressed out like these are the signals that you give off or um that like to for you to for you to be the most productive, like this is the kind of environment that you uh, benefit from having. So, you know, if if possible, yeah, package package that up and make it available for people. And it requires like in an it's, it is an activity in itself, creating this thing, because it it causes you to really look within and try to understand yourself. no mm. uh, oh, yeah, and, I like, that, see that. that. That that's a process. Like I I would say like don't uh, don't expect necessarily to, to just kind of sit down one afternoon and put together your user manual, like it, it can take a long time to really think about, um, yeah. Like the, what the kind of, I don't want to say rules, but what the guidance is Uh, that you want to give off around about yourself. Um,
0: so is it a thing that you're constantly still like updating?
1: Yeah. I think what normally happens is like someone will message me and say like, oh, hey, like I read, I saw that this book was in one of the books that inspired you. And I like, I read it and like, let's talk about it. And I have a conversation about it. Um, But when those kind of interactions happen, it causes me then to go and iterate. Because it might be the case that when I put that book in there, there was like six books that I haven't read. But now I've Uh read those six, I want to shuffle it around a bit. So it's a live document, right? It's always changing and I'm always reconsidering it. Uh, The things that are in there, or I might find out about a new uh, person who is an absolute inspiration, and I want to include them, or you know, something like that. But yeah, I I have that, and I do keep it live. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And uh, I was looking at some of your inspirations, and they're like uh, actually, they're really it was really cool that you had those inspirational people with some of the names were I'm trying to see here, where did I write this down? Uh, but I, there were entrepreneurs that I had never, uh, seen before. Like to- Toto Wolf, is that his name? An Aus- Austrian uh, advent investor. And then there was Steve Bar, Barlett, um, and Peter levels. I started reading that guy's blog and I was like, Oh, this is really cool.
1: <laughs> Mine. Yeah. He, he's a good one. Um, he's mind blowing. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, so we can go through each of those if you wanted to do that oh yeah
0: no yeah you can talk to me about uh, the, each of them and what they what they've taught you or whatever comes to mind
1: yeah so so Toto wolf uh like austrian investor is probably like i think <laughs> he's uh you would say he's an investor but like he I don't know which way around it is really. He's an investor, but he also manages a, a a formula one team. Like
2: I I saw
0: that he owns like 33% of Mercedes um, formula one.
1: Yeah. So like, I don't, I'm not sure which way around it is. It's like, he's, he's like an investor as his day job. And then he does, he does like, he runs this, runs this sports (laughs) team on the side or if it's the other way around. Um, but I, I was really into formula one, um, or am really like I, I follow formula one as a sport. So, gotcha. um, his management of that team, like really the reason that he's on there is his management philosophy, which um, is worse. it's very, very much team oriented and it's mm. very, very much like transparent. And so like, and you know, this is, this is the world of elite sports, right? So in, in elite team sports, there's a considerable amount of, uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, you're at the, it's the pinnacle of the sport, right? So there's, there's probably a yeah. lot of like hard conversations that have to happen and stuff like that. But the way that he approaches the management of the team, uh, I think is, I think it's really good. And I've, I've kind of, I've heard him talk on other podcasts and uh, like interviews that he's had, like, he's always very, um, what's the word? He's just, yeah, it's, it's almost like I've never seen him. I've never seen anyone kind of break him. Like you can never see it crap uh, in the, in the exterior. He's just all, like, you know, he's getting asked
0: stoic, very stoic, I guess.
1: Very, yeah, he is. and like diplomatic in the way that he, he'll answer. Like it's always like, mm. yeah, he's, he's a, he's a really interesting person to, to observe uh, from that, from that perspective. Like I don't ever expect that I'll be uh, like, managing a, an elite sports team. Um, and, and like, I don't think that like I, I won't necessarily be able to take, you know, his r- methodologies exactly for that. But the philosophy behind it, I think is, uh, that really stands out to me. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah no, I think, uh, I, I'm going to listen to that guy. I'm going to listen. You said he had some podcasts or he was on some podcasts. Cause he's also a former race car driver. This guy did like a bunch of cool stuff. I was like, this guy uh-huh. seems awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. He, uh, I think, that's how he ended up in, in management. He was like not good enough to race. <laughs> so he decided he was gonna oh, manage a wow. team instead.
0: Wow. What's up with uh Steven Barlett? I is he's like 28 and he like sold the company for like 300 million, right? That that was uh, uh
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um I'm not really sure what there is to say after that. That's that's I yeah. Think, uh, so I oh, saw yeah. I saw Stephen speak at a conference in Manchester. Oh wow, and this was shortly after this was shortly after I had been told to sell office furniture. Um, and so, you know, at that point I was like, okay, like network, hang around, you know, listen to some people who know what they're talking about, talk about that stuff and, and learn as much as possible. Uh-huh. So I attended a conference in Manchester. It was like a small, uh, tech company conference, uh, just for startups. And he was there talking about the company that, that he had recently uh, started. Um, so, And that was in manchester which is my hometown and uh he was there i think he was studying there and basically just decided to stop studying there because he he'd really hit on hit on a thing which was um basically taking like social media accounts and building an audience with them and then using that audience as a way to uh, uh, basically, using that as leverage, right? So, like, they got to the point. um They got to the point where they would they would have control because he he had one that he grew, and then I think like there was somebody else that grew one, and they then they kind of teamed up, and meant that like they basically had double the the leverage because yeah yeah it, that's how how it kind of expanded out of that, and then and then of course while that's happening, you've got the the whole like social media and like social media advertising industry coming together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that business ended up, uh, being is that very, the, very successful. Is
0: that the one that he talks about selling like for 300 million?
1: Yeah. So that's, it's a company called wow, social chain. Wild. Yeah. But the, the stories that he tells are like, he's, he's got a podcast, a very popular podcast called the diary of a CEO. I saw um, that. he's like, he's run, he's run, not run, but he was, he was on TV shows in the UK where he would like pretend to be a teacher and yeah. go into a school and like teach. Uh, I think he, he like taught a, a, a class of children, uh, and like picked out a few people that he thought had, <laughs> had, wow. what's the word like had, uh,
0: the entrepreneurial spirit.
1: Yeah, he thought they were going places and he was like, I'm gonna you're gonna come to New York and like work in my office for a month and I'm gonna be your mentor and you're gonna learn loads of cool stuff. And that's really cool. Yeah, so he's on there because basically he did really well. And um he he A, he gives back, but B, he reflects quite openly on his experiences and he uh he I feel like as, as a person, he's very aware of himself. Um, and so like that, that's something that I'm always trying to be like, I'm always trying to be more me, be more aware of myself. Mm-hmm. And that's why things like the, the user manual get updated. Uh, it's like yeah. case in point, but, um, yeah, he's on there for that reason and he, he's just brilliant.
0: Is, is Peter kind of like doing kind of like what you're doing or are you, it's like, he's traveling around the world. Right. And nobody, like, I was reading one of his blogs and he's like, why you can't contact me or something like that. Why no one can message me. And it was
1: actually really interesting.
0: Um, is he on there because he's like living a similar lifestyle as you?
1: So he, uh, I guess, I guess so. I think that's like, um, that's very flattering to me, right? To say that he's, he's living uh, a similar lifestyle to me. I think it's probably the other way around like he, oh yeah, I mean, either way, I think you're
0: both doing similar things. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, I kind of came, there's maybe two ways that I came to learn about, um, about Peter, uh, the first, like he runs one of his like most successful projects is nomad list. So nomadlist.com It's basically mm-hmm. like a breakdown of the most popular places around the world for digital nomads. And it breaks down all the details, right? Like you can find out what the, um, what the air quality score is, for a city in portugal if you want um, so you can find out the stuff you can find out like is a city that i'm considering going to like is it um like is it is it humid or like are they open to like gay marriage like
0: all the small have- details that would yeah, like yeah. matter in day-to-day life okay
1: so uh and, and that started as like an open source project uh, so wow. he just like had a google sheet that he tweeted to people and was like hey like i'm in this place and these are the best places to work from and the weather is averaging about this like please come and add to this list and tell me about where you are grew up to a massive database and then built a website to kind of surface that information for people um, but that was part of a a project that he set himself which is it, it was called like 12 12 startups in 12 months. And he was like, I'm just going to basically, be the that. Developer, so like you know, <laughs> he's, got, he's got the knowledge to do this stuff, but he's like, I'm just going to basically try and build a business a month. And it's going to be probably not like, I don't ever think he was aiming for like, a, uh, you know, the probably the revenues that he does achieve now, but he he, he really hit wow. with, with nomad list. And he never finished it. He never finished the 12 months because like there were a couple that were so successful that he just, stuck with them
0: <laughs> there's a few of these uh oh man there's a rapper I can't believe I'm forgetting his name I think he did like a song a week or something like that and then he blew up. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name but then there's a comedian Andrew Schultz who was like doing the same thing he was like I'm gonna put up a joke a week on YouTube or a day or something like that and that's how both of these ended up blowing up and this idea of like consistent like I'm just gonna do 12 projects a day Wow. I love that. So, I love
1: that. So that that links like that the idea of consistency links to something that is in Steph Smith's blog, something that she mm. wrote which which was probably one of her like one of the most popular things that she ever wrote which was um to be great you just have to be consistently good. Mm. And it's like it re- for me that really highlights this idea that it's like no one no one wakes up and is great. <laughs> Yeah. Like you don't wake up one day having achieved greatness. It's something that's achieved over a long period of time. And it's just about consistency. Um, like anyone can have a good day, but few people have like really good days over and over and over and over, yeah. and, over and over and over again.
0: Have you read any of Stephen Pressfield's work? Like, uh, the, um, what is it called The the war of art? I haven't read that. Oh, it's like a really short book. Dude. I think you'd love it. It's super easy uh but he talks about this like resistance but like being a professional the difference between an amateur and a professional is that a professional shows mm-hmm. up every day and does the work whatever your work is um but it reminded me it reminded me so much of that i, I think you'd love him. and have you heard of true uh, kevin kelly's uh 1000 true fans do you know who kevin kelly is
1: uh no
0: kevin kelly down as well yeah. Kevin Kelly's like a, he, I don't know what you would call him. He, he started wire magazine and he's like uh he's like the chief editor at wire magazine and then wrote a book that I think you'd enjoy called the inevitable about like the future 12, like technological prints, like a uh, forces. He's not saying like the next iPhone's this, but um, anyways, he has this idea of like a thousand uh, uh, true fans, um, which I think is super interesting because it's about building like an audience that, um, it, it kind of like uh, these people built like, uh, like Peter levels and Stephen Barlett, where like, you're being so true to yourself and you're being consistent in your work and you're doing it only for yourself that you attract people who are like-minded and, um, enjoy the work that you do because you do it for yourself. And so it's like a, a people who would buy anything that you want or anything that you create, yeah. but anyway, I'm going yeah, off yeah. on a tangent. Um, but yeah, just, that, that's what came to mind. Um, and I was thinking about your remote base before we get off here. Um, I know we've gone over 10 minutes, but, uh, I wanted to talk about remote base. How did that idea come, come to fruition?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we're basically, you know, traveling around the world, uh, staying in places for one month, one month, roughly one, like one month, ideally minimal, um, mm-hmm. at a time. So one month, two months, three months. And we were staying in Airbnbs and searching the platform. I came to learn like some hosts, well, Airbnb basically gives hosts the opportunity to offer a discount, uh, at their discretion. So some, you know, hosts, a, a lot of folks are running these things like their business. Um, yeah. So they understand that if they offer a discount uh for a one month stay like that's A it makes an attractive proposition for somebody who can stay there for a month but B like it makes financial sense because there's like they don't need to turn around like turn over the property like they don't have to clean it three times a month because there's three weekend bookings they just have to do one clean at the end. Um and it just you know we we were we were doing this and we we're traveling around And stay, yeah, we were traveling around, staying in these places and we were creating a bit of a list, like a list created, a list was, uh, created and it just started growing and
0: a list of like Airbnbs
1: that you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. It started out as a wish list in Airbnb, just, uh, you know, that's a feature that they have on the platform. And it got to the point where I was like, actually, I want, I want some more, I want to be able to like, see more of this. Um, so then it got broken out into, into a spreadsheet. Um, with some more of the details. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's expanded over time. And now I, wow. now I kind of pulled data on, on all these different elements of, of the listing, but it started out like that. And part of it was like, Oh, like we can't stay here yet, but we want to, we want to stay there. So like, let's <laughs> save it. Um, and the list just got so big that we, it's impossible for us to stay in all these places. We wouldn't, we we couldn't if we tried. Yeah. Um,
0: so I was going to say, I think it's really good. I, I got it this last week and it was like, you had like, um, I forget where the locations were, but it was really cool to see like how discounted they were. And I was like, wow, that's what I'm paying for rent here in Austin. And I can stay a month in, um, <laughs> in these countries. I was like, that's awesome. But yeah, I, I encourage everybody to sign up for that.
1: Um, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. No, oh, yeah, dude, it was,
0: it was, uh, really good. And, and, um, how do you, uh, how do you choose a, uh, what country to go to next? I mean, when it's not like, when it's not, a, uh, when, when the pandemic isn't forcing you to go somewhere.
1: Um, generally we have like, I mean, I travel with my, with my girlfriend, right? So yeah, if you're by yourself, then you can just kind of follow, uh, you can fly by the seat of your pants, like just go wherever you like we're together. So we, we, there's considerations for that, but generally it's like, we're going to visit somebody that we know who lives in a place uh, or like we want to be close to some friends when it's like their birthday or something like that. Um, or and then outside of that, it's like, okay, well, should we go some there's two ways that you can break it down. Should we go somewhere that we've been to before that we like know we like and want to see more of, or should we go somewhere new? Um mm-hmm. and that's kind of the process. It's like, um, I'm feeling like I want to explore something new now. Um, let's go to somewhere that neither of the neither of us have ever been. And then, and then yeah we, we know like okay like we, neither of us have ever been to bulgaria like let's go there uh, um and i guess partly on top of that is like seasonality i gotcha. would really like as soon as you know w- the world starts to travel a little bit more again i would really like to uh, go and spend some time uh, uh in like a ski resort uh, and go and like do have a month of like waking up and being able to go and like do some skiing before work like, but I think that'd be really yeah. cool. That's something I'm keen to do. Um, yeah, we just, I, I guess we're, we're quite fluid with it. We don't, we don't, yeah, we just chat.
0: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. No, yeah. You just go, you, you go with what you feel, uh, last three questions like rapid fire here. You don't have to answer them rapid fire, but I'm going to shoot them rapid fire. Uh, the first one is, um, are there any quotes or mantras that you like to live your life by that you constantly remind yourself are in your head often?
1: Um, I, I think I have some different ones, but they're probably like for for different scenarios. Uh, like one is like discipline equals freedom, which is actually Hmm. the name, the name of a book, uh, yeah, exactly. And like, I read the book and that the book was like, it's a bit of a coffee table book. Like it's good to have, like, it's just good. It's like good, easy read. It's not too deep. Um, but the, yeah, the. philosophy behind that just like have discipline and like because because discipline will let will help me be uh consistent and and to be consistently good is is how you achieve greatness like all of these ideas kind of link together so that's important that's something that sticks with me maybe when i'm working out there's one which is just like dig deep like whenever you think you're at the bottom like dig a little bit deeper because there's probably a little bit more to give Mm. um i like that and that I like that because it's like quick. Like I can just say that to myself when I'm on a run and I'm exhausted, um, or, you know, a, yeah, any kind of like physical activity, but I think creating that there means that it also like bleeds through to other areas of life as well. Right. Um, and yeah. then I don't know the film one, if I had to pick a film, one of my favorite films is uh goodwill hunting. Gotcha. Um, with with matt damon and ben affleck and there's a scene in that film uh i don't want to like spoil it if anyone hasn't seen it but there's a scene in the film where ben affleck's character uh they're both very good friends in the film have you seen it actually i have
0: seen it i have seen it yeah
1: yeah okay so you you might know the scene i'm talking about but they're they work in construction and one of these guys is super smart and he's got all these opportunities yeah, Yeah, his friend his friend like hasn't he's not really like he's not this uh he's not as intelligent and he doesn't have as many opportunities and they're talking about like this life that they're, they're gonna have together in like in this town where they grew up together as friends and this guy turns like ben affleck turns to matt damon and just says if you're doing all of this stuff that you're describing when we're 40 years old i'm gonna kill you like <laughs> I'll, I'll kill you myself like you have these opportunities uh you, you know opportunities are available to you like go and pursue them basically is is how that dialogue plays out i've butchered it obviously (laughs) go and watch the film um is what i would say because no but uh, i get the
2: gist i get the gist more beautifully Mm. yeah
1: um and i think that you know what the the, the thing that sticks me there is like make use of the opportunities that are available to you like the you might not have you might not be the most privileged person and you might not have everything available to you, but if you're somebody who is able to access this podcast, like there's probably, you're, you're probably able to kind of create opportunities for yourself and, and you're probably able to uh, like leverage different things, different resources that are available to you to, to put yourself further if you, if you want to.
0: Wow. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um. Last question. Let's say you could give a message to every student or person who's going to be going abroad to live. For a while, um, for the first time, mm-hmm. what would you tell them? Like they're about to get on the plane. You can tell all of them. So I give them a message.
1: um I would just say like, n- don't assume. Like never assume because, yeah. In a sentence, like never assume. And then if 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 there's more time before before the door closes at the gate, like if there's more time to <laughs> to talk to them, I would just say like, people are meaning. People are humans are meaning making machines, right? Like we, we like to find meaning in stuff. And so oh, yeah. it's really easy for us to find shortcuts. Like our brain creates shortcuts for us that we don't even know are there. Um, and that just leads to assumptions, like, uh, try not to assume, right? Like even, you know, you might be like, you might assume that you're safe when you're not, or, you, but you might also like assume things about a person or a place that aren't true. Um, and so, Try not to assume, and when you catch yourself in that in that state of assumption, um, try to like unpick that and take yourself out of it.
0: Awesome, man! I think that's beautiful advice. Um, do you have anything else that you wanted to share before we sign off here? I um, I do have your socials. Uh, Instagram is at c e r r a with it, which is Chera at Chera, <laughs> and then uh, Twitter is at c e r r a underscore. And then there's remote which is, uh, where people can sign up for your, um, newsletter and get discounts on awesome Airbnbs around the world. Um, but is there anything else you want to share with the audience before we sign off?
1: Uh, I think, no, I think that's, that's all of it. maybe the other social, like there's the social, the Instagram account for remote base, which is just at remote base. Yeah. Um, that's a good place to just catch content. Um, if maybe you feel the newsletter is. Uh, is not right uh, for you, but if you do sign up to the newsletter, then uh, hit reply on the welcome email and say hello and let me know that you you found me here, um, and it'll be really cool to connect. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, and you also have ChrisChera.com. Uh, chris uh c-e-r-r-a dot com and that's like your personal website
1: yeah um, that's just that's just a picture of me up there
0: <laughs> <laughs> and people can see uh people can see your your user manual they want to find like your favorite books and stuff um
1: but chris yes. thank you so also much also linkedin What's as well oh linkedin uh, the, yeah 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 the, the user manual is on linkedin and yeah like connect with me there if people want to connect with me there like i'm, I'm definitely into that as well
0: awesome awesome well chris uh thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me uh, Um, to everyone listening uh, we'll talk to you next time hey there if you enjoyed this episode well green light new episodes of the dose of caesar come out every week so make sure to follow and subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts if you feel that more people should listen to this podcast and share this episode with your tribe if you want to connect with me or if you just want some extra doses of Caesar, of caesar of Caesarine bingui then you can sign up for my free weekly email newsletter called the caesar encyclopedia where i share what i learn every week or you can reach out to me on instagram at the dose of caesar we'll see you next time